ninjas, calling all ninjas. It's time for Lime Ninja Radio. Today on Lime Ninja Radio. Um, of all the toxins from mold to lime to, I mean, just BPAs um, to, to really bind comprehensively because, again, you have to get the toxins excreted out. That's the goal. This podcast is sponsored by the Lime Ninja Symptom Tracker. I'm so excited to tell you about our new Lime Ninja Symptom Tracker. One of the things I hear over and over again, whether it's talking to a patient in my office or consulting over the phone with a client, is just how difficult it is to keep track of progress on their Lyme journey. Recording symptoms daily or even weekly gives them too many data points. There are so many ups and downs, twists and turns that at some point they get lost and confused. The Lyme Ninja Symptom Tracker takes all the guesswork out of tracking symptoms with a simple monthly questionnaire. Once a month is the perfect interval to see if that new supplement or protocol is working. Right now, when you take the Symptom Tracker questionnaire, we give you a simple composite score for the month. But we have big plans and the data you enter will not be lost as we roll out new features. Best of all, it's free. Just head on over to LimeNinjaRadio.com slash tracker and sign up. That's LimeNinjaRadio.com slash tracker. You'll be glad you did. Join us every Thursday on iTunes for the, well, almost every Thursday. We apologize for missing last week. You regular Lime Ninjas will notice that we didn't put out a new podcast there is a lot going on, and we're behind with our schedule. We actually traveled down to see Bob Miller and his clinic in Afreda, Pennsylvania. Had a lot of fun, but it really blew up our schedule here. Whoopsies. We may sound sa- yes, we may sound like professionals. However, we're just a couple of happy kids <laughs> in a barn putting out a podcast and speaking to wonderful people all over the world. So please forgive us, and we'll do our best to make it every Thursday so you can have fresh, wonderful content like this week's episode. So I'm your host and acupuncturist McKay Rippey, and this is episode number 203 with our good friend, Dr. Kelly Halderman. And also welcome our show producer in the brains behind Lime Ninja Radio, Aurora. Hello. And in this episode, you'll learn the missing step in your detox protocol, why glyphosate is a dangerous but essential part Ooh, of mag- glyphosate. I know, right? Part of modern agriculture and what your sweat means for your health. Thanks, Aurora. And be sure to listen all the way to the end of the podcast for the Lyme Ninja Fact of the Day. You don't want to miss this one. As you know, Lyme disease is an international problem. Each week we have listeners join us from all over the world. This past week we've had listeners from Portugal to Pakistan and from Australia to Ireland. Also, a big thank you to all you longtime Lyme ninjas. Aurora and I really appreciate you listening. And we'd like to welcome all the new listeners out there. Welcome to Lime Ninja Radio. We're glad you tuned in. And speaking of tuning in, this week's top 10 tune-in cities are... Number 10, Wellston, Ohio. Number 9, Tacoma, Washington. Number 8, Rome, Pennsylvania. Number 7, Farmington, New York. Number 6, Depew, New York. Number 5, Colorado Springs, Colorado. Number 4, New York, New York. Number 3, Chagrin Falls, Ohio. Number 2, Los Angeles, California. And number 1, Atlanta. Atlanta, Georgia. Congratulations, Atlanta. 
Do you know your Lyme score? If not, do yourself a favor, head on over to LimeNinjaRadio.com and fill out the Lyme Ninja Symptom Tracker. It's free. We've had nearly a thousand people use the Lime Ninja wow. Tracker. So it's a great tool. If you haven't tried it out, head on over and give it a try. Okay, Aurora, tell, tell us a little bit more about today's guest, Dr. Kelly Halderman. Dr. Halderman's Lyme journey started with a diagnosis of multiple sclerosis. This began her journey into naturopathic medicine and looking at genetics and other foundational aspects of health. She is a physician who lives in Florida and collaborates with naturopath Bob Miller on understanding the genetic and nutritional components of chronic disease. Thanks, Aurora. And here's our interview with Dr. Kelly Halderman. Hello, Dr. Kelly. This is McKay Rippey from Lime Ninja Radio. Hi, McKay. How are you? I am hot and sweaty. It's late <laughs> summer here in central New York. <laughs> Me too. Down in Florida, always hot and sweaty. Now, you just moved. We did. We made it. So uh, from Minnesota, down, down, down here to Florida. And we're loving it. We love this sunshine. It's incredible. And how did moving – I mean, you moved – your practice, you moved your house, you moved your kids. How did you, how did you do it? It was nothing short of a miracle. Like <laughs> I'm not kidding. When I look back, I think, oh my gosh. I mean, how you know? Thank you, thank you, God, for uh, you know the helping us because everything came together perfectly. I mean, it couldn't have couldn't have went any better. So you know, and then and then on top of that, we're, I'm teaching a seminar in 29 working days, and you know, trying to close our a lease for our new office space. And it is really fun though. Life is so good. Did you join another practice or are you setting up your own? So my husband and I um, owned and operated Halderman Wellness. And so we're going to, we're bringing that back. So look for that down in Florida. And we do, I mean, most of what we do is, you know, um, distance. So just because you can't come down to Florida doesn't mean you can't see me. Yeah. Are the laws in Florida a little more flexible? They are about the same. Okay. Yeah. So it's not like you moved down there so you could have a better business climate. Not really, no. Not really. Okay. Just for the sunshine. <laughs> exactly. Which is well <laughs> worth it. And tell me about the conference that you are presenting at. Sure. So really excited um, to be presenting with Dr. Eric Belkavage, who has been a longtime uh, presenter at ShyCons with, with Ben Lynch. So um, I somehow convinced him after giving um, a lecture on phase 2.5 detox that he should come and teach the biophysiology because there's nobody in the world better well-versed in that than Eric. So we're going to be teaching in October in Austin. Uh, the fifth, sixth, and seventh, and um, just super excited. We're going to be we're going to be talking about phase two point five detoxification um, and a, a lot more cell danger response. You know, we're going to get really geeky and 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 really informative and have things that people can can implement on Monday morning. So if you want to learn more about that or register, it's the website is phpltd.com. And is that primarily for practitioners? It's primarily for practitioners, yes. Okay. I don't want somebody to say, wow, it sounds so great, which it does sound great. And they go there and just be, oh, my God, I'm a fish out of water here. 
You know what? We, we're actually going to create an online program for both practitioners and lay people with the Detox 2.5, how to do it, because we've gotten such a huge response. People understand it. It makes sense. It clicks for them like, oh, my gosh, this is why, you know, I couldn't tolerate glutathione or this is why I'm you know still sick. I haven't opened up the phase 2.5 door. So look for that class. It's going to be an online class. Probably launch it in November um, for for anyone to take. Well, when you do that, let's come back and have another conversation. And just quickly, this isn't the main thrust of the conversation we want to have today, but it's related. It's all related. Yeah. Detox 2.5. Can you give me a postage stamp? Sure. The elevator pitch. So we all know um, our body um, is designed. It has an inherent detoxification system. We have phase one detoxification, which makes compounds, let's just call them toxins, a little bit more reactive so that phase two can come along and make them water soluble to get them into primarily the bile. So phase one and phase two, doctors are really good at amping those up. But when it comes to escorting those toxins out into the bile, I call that the phase 2.5 door. So a lot of the, a lot of times that that phase 2.5 is not working well. And so you actually have a re-intoxication of those preformed toxins back into your blood. So until we really address phase 2.5 and we open it up, and then we escort the toxins into the bile, and then we make sure that we bind those toxins. That's really what we're looking at doing. And the, the quick, the things that shut down 2.5 real quickly are inflammation, bad guts, overabundance of bad estrogens. If you can't make your bile salts and if you can't make um, phosphatidylcholine. So there's things that you can, can do to help open it up. And then you can start pushing on phase one and phase two. So basically, if the drain's plugged, you're... <laughs> Well, I was going to use another word, but yeah, it's, you're, yeah. you're in trouble. <laughs> you are in trouble, exactly. So we are, we teach you like how to unplug the drain, and yeah. and I always say phase two point five comes first, optimize uh, first. Yeah, but what? Oh, then never mind. Let's not let's talk about it. Great, we'll talk about this later on. Okay. Because there's also there's the phase three, and now you know I actually yeah. had an interview after you about phase zero. So right. people are really kind of expanding the view of what exactly detox is, and really bringing it to the system level rather than okay, here's these two biochemical channels that need to go. There's a whole lot more going on besides just getting some glutathione and and getting the the PON one genes going to break it down into water soluble. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. But we're here today to talk about glycine, glyphosate, sulfur. Where do you want to go? You know, I think what, what really piqued my interest and in why I um, reached out to you is we were, we were both um, on some um, webinars with the Nutrigenetic Research Institute, and there was a lot of discussion about glyphosate. And I thought that it would be interesting to have a conversation about glyphosate in the in the light of Lyme disease, like what is that? What is that doing to our pathways? Why is that? If if we're um, if we're exposed to, I shouldn't say if when we're exposed to it, what kind of downstream effects or can it have? And what can we, what can we do about it? You know, it's 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 cool to hear about all these high level pathways and and they're complicated. I mean, they are. I'm a biochemist. Uh, you know, my bachelor's degree is in biochemistry, but they're still complex. And when the end of the day, I want to know what can I physically do 
to help me feel better, help my patients feel better. And that's what I want to have a conversation with because it can get really like we were were talking about before um, the call started about the manganese. And we'll get into that and why, you know, just because glyphosate chelates manganese, meaning you can't use it, doesn't mean that you go and take a bunch of manganese. That can be dangerous. Just real quickly, why is it dangerous to take like, a okay, I'll take a pill of manganese. What's wrong with that? So there's just a threshold for it. And, you know, when you get over that threshold, you're, you're just looking at, um, you know, some would say um, Dr. Bernarda Zinker. I was listening to a webinar she was doing. Um, and there's studies that found that over, I, I want to say, two to four milligrams. I'm not sure. Don't, you know, don't quote me on that. Was causing irreversible bio, like physiological damage. Um and when you hear Bernardo say something, you, you definitely listen. So, you know, that that's in that's in the science. I don't know exactly what the manifestation was of that. But I guess we I don't think in ter- a lot of the times I forget that um, for every action, there's a reaction. And some of those can be permanent. So we want to be really, really careful. And I actually remembered the study. It was um, I think it can actually cause some neurological permanent dysfunction, which is scary. That's really scary. It's, it's amazing to think that a mineral could do that, but that's, you know, that's one of the dangers with taking portions of food and magnifying it by 10 times, a hundred times, a thousand times. There's, there's always a U-curve. Too little is no good, right? Mm -hmm. And then there's a sweet spot, but then there's always, right? Toxin is in the dose, right? That's what they teach you, you doctors. Toxin Mm -hmm. is in the dose, including water. I mean, we don't think about this, but. Right. Water toxicity. I run into that in my practice every once in a while. Yeah, I drink lots of water. Okay, what about salt and potassium? Huh? Right. right. Like, okay. Right. I, I had this yeah. lady. She she essentially had Alzheimer's symptoms. Her doctor said she had some high blood pressure. You need to cut back on your salt. She said, okay, I'll eliminate all salt. So she, her family brought her in. She couldn't think. She couldn't remember anymore. And so I started asking her about her diet. And eventually it became really clear she was very proud that she had eliminated all salt from her diet, except for the tiny little bit that was coming through, you know, vegetables or something like that. And I said, tell you what, (laughs) I want you to, you know, go home and have, instead of salt-free soup, just get the regular (laughs) soup and and see what happens. And I came back the following week and said, wow, my brain's clear. Like, wow. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's, it's so important to, to be careful, pay attention. You know, we definitely encourage people to experiment, but be careful and work with your doctor and don't just go willy nilly uh, jamming pills down your throat. Absolutely. There, there's subtle nuances that your, your doctor will know and you might not know. So just be careful. All right. Now we also need to do a postage stamp version of why all of a sudden glyphosate is a thing because I mean, come on, it's been around forever, you know, forever, meaning 50 years or so. And, you know, why is it more of a problem now? Okay, sure. So, you know, back in the, I think it was the 50s, it was, it was found to be a good metal chelator. So um, it's been patented as that, uh, an herbicide and as an antibiotic. So in the 1970s, um, it, it started to become um, used on food um, to control weeds in the crops. And, and now the, the late 1990s, they um they created the GMO Roundup Ready product, so it's just it's just being used more and more and more, um, such as corn and sugar beets and um and I think that that's what we're finding is that we 
we just have gone overboard. It's hard to um, like Cheerios, for instance, they're, you know, they're labeled as GMO free, but they're, they're sprayed right before they're harvested. The oats are. So you're getting a huge dose of the glyphosate. Um, you know, so you have, you have to go organic. So this is really important for people to understand. So we kind of understand glyphosate roundup being used to, as a weed suppressant and around here in central New York, you can see the fields that have been sprayed because the only thing that's living on it is the crop that they want, the GMO uh, roundup ready crop. However, what they've begun to do, farmers are all about getting as much volume as possible. If you spray the crop with glyphosate roundup right before you're ready to harvest, all the seeds, all the crops become ripe at the same time. And that's a massive benefit. So all of a sudden the yield for their crop for that field goes up a lot. And for a farmer, if you, if you have an increase of a couple percent, that's the difference between making money and not making money. Right. So they're, they're going to do it. They're absolutely going to do it. But what that means for us is all of a sudden there wasn't just this glyphosate sprayed on the ground early in the, in the year, which the plants would take up. Now it's covered with the stuff, right. just literally sprayed. And that's why we are just swimming in this stuff. So right. if you're not eating or it used to be, well, you know, organic, get the meats and the organic eggs where things get concentrated. But now even the grains are or highly problematic. It's weird. We're living in a toxic world. All right. Absolutely. All right. So we've got glyphosate. Now, what is that doing to people with Lyme disease? Because we can't avoid it. We've all got it. Right. So, you know, I think in terms of if you already have um, an allostatic load, a stressor, you know, if you already have, um, you're dealing with Lyme disease or mold, um, this is just, this is just another huge, huge heavy weight on your bio, your essential biochemistry. So the interesting thing about glyphosate is that it can actually has been postulated to to substitute for glycine in proteins. So kind of a um, biochemistry 101, our proteins are made of amino acids. Um, they string them all, string along together just like a, a pearl necklace and then they they will fold um, depending on um, a lot of different post-transcriptional modifications. But with when whoa, one whoa, 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 poster, <laughs> that just, that's, can we just say genetic <laughs> sure, sure, sure. So for, for us, for us English majors here? <laughs> so so that just pretty. post, yeah, post transcriptional just means something happens after DNA gets transformed into RNA. Is that correct? Yeah. The, well, the RNA, the product uh, the product. So once okay. you actually have your, your, your string of amino acids, which is your protein, yeah. So, like, the the point is is that when you have that string of amino acids, they're very important. And when one gets changed, which is what we're thinking that um, glyphosate is doing, the the glycine, because they're very much molecularly similar, is that it can change the the function of the protein. And okay, well, what is why is that important? Well. For instance, there is a doctor who did a, a talk at Autism One, Dr. Kritzer, I think it's Kritzer with a K, and he talked about myosin. Myosin is a, a, a protein found in, in muscle, um, everything from your skeletal muscle to your smooth muscle. So there was a study done where they, where they substituted that glycine for an alanine, and the myosin lost an incredibly large amount of its function. So if you're thinking about what glyphosate can do, get in and substitute out the, the downstream effects are, are just, I mean, unbelievable. This is where it ties into 2.5. 
detox 2.5 because surrounding the bile caniculus are myosin, myosin um, uh, proteins. Myosin is supposed to contract, right? So what they're finding is that if, if you have this substitution, that the myosin don't work as well. So what's going to happen? You're going to, the toxins aren't going to be able to get into the bile. So it's another way that, that the biochemistry is just being, you know, just being chipped away at. And, and that's just one, that's just one of the proteins that has a, what's called a conserved glycine residue. And this is where I, I'm, I'm leaning on the work of Stephanie Seneff, brilliant, brilliant Dr. Seneff. And she studies proteins that have a conserved glycine residue, which just means that it's really important. And if it gets swapped out, we're going to be in trouble. And another one of those is the cytochrome C oxidase, which is in our mitochondria. And we all know what happens when our mitochondria aren't working well. That's a root cause of, of disease is mitochondrial dysfunction. It causes inflammation. So the list goes on and on. It's not that it's um, causing this flagrant, something that we can measure and we can shout from the rooftops. But it, again, it's just chipping away at, the, at our biochemistry on a very molecular level and causing really grave effects. I think I, I hear what you're saying. And you bring up some really, really important points. So when you have some, let's say you ate some, uh, let's just say it's Cheerio. So even though it's non-GMO, there's glyphosate sprayed on it right. and you're eating some. So the body also has glycine. So it's not like when you eat something with glyphosate on it or, you know, your neighbor sprayed it and it got on your tomato plant that all of us, it's a hundred percent swap out. It's a small percentage swap out. But what you're saying is that even a small percentage swap out. So let's say you, uh, uh, there's a protein in the heart that helps the muscle cells contract. So when we're talking about protein dysfunction, we're talking about cell dysfunction. And we're talking about cell dysfunction. We're talking about tissue dysfunction. And we're talking about tissue dysfunction. This is like she swallowed the fly. I don't know why, right? We're talking about organ dysfunction. So imagine the heart where... Let's say it's 5% less efficient because it's got some weird proteins in some of the cells and it just doesn't squeeze as hard. So now all of a sudden your ejection fraction, right? How hard your yep. heart pumps and moves the blood is weak, right? right? And now maybe when you stand up, you get a little dizzy or something like that, or, or maybe something else, or maybe you just become exercise intolerant. And, you know, walking up that flight of stairs is by the time you're two thirds of the way up, you're huffing and puffing. This, these are the things we're talking about, even though it goes all the way, all the way, all the way back to one chemical or uh, amino acid glycine being replaced by uh, an artificial and exogenous and outside uh, chemical coming from a, from a company that was designed to help us. Right. Right. That was, that was a good statement on what's going on. It's, it's so easy to get lost in the details. It's it, like, it's so, really but why, why is this relevant? Well, because you're just not as efficient. Right. And then it comes down to, okay, so what do, what do I do? What, what am I, well, I mean, okay. So, you know, I mean, like my proteins are, it's scary to think like, oh my gosh, you know, my, my very, my very essence of my being of my biochemistry is being mucked up. Now, what am I, what am I supposed to do about it? And that's why, again, I, I wanted to come on with you and, and talk about that because, you know, number one, we have to eat organically, right? I mean, but it's not always an option for everyone. It's not, it's expensive and we're just doing our best. So that, you know, that's kind of what I want to talk about too. All right. Well, let's talk about it. Okay. 
So, well, you know, well, let's actually let me just lead this up yeah. with with another one that we know about, and that's with iodine. So we know iodine is really important for the function of the thyroid, and it's not just like throwing gasoline on the thyroid; it makes it go. It actually helps the thyroid regulate. Right. So hypo and hyper, it's just about the thyroid working properly. And we know that iodine is displaced by other fluorides, which are chloride, other halides. So we've got we've got chlorine, we've got fluoride. And what's the other one that they use as a as a preservative? Anyway, bromide. So those three replace iodine. But if you take enough iodine, you can kind of flush those other things out. And you can kind of regulate, you know, taking iodine isn't quite as scary as taking manganese. It's probably not going to leave you with permanent brain damage if you take some of that. But we know there's doctors who do this regularly and they can measure it. You pee out all the other stuff and eventually you return to normal function. Is there something like that with glycine? Is like, how do we obviously stop taking the glyphosate? Number right. one. Number one. Number one is is try and to try to avoid. And then you're talking about a, um, a competitive, they're in competition with each other. So you can flood your system with a little bit, so flood's not the right word, but you can give your system a little bit more glycine to try and overcome the, the glyphosate. So the problem with glycine is that if you give too much, it can be substituted for alanine. And then so you've are, you've created what we don't want. It can also um, be a methyl donor. Not everybody does well with methyl donors. And it can excite the NMDA receptor. So it's not without risk. So you, you, you have to be careful. So I've come up with a detox 2.5, actually a formula, and in it is just a, the, a very small amount of glycine because that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to push off some of the competition there. So I've, I've heard of some people using like three grams of glycine and I'm like, oh my word, or, or just even, you know, just taking, I think it typically comes in a thousand milligrams and people get nightmares and they feel anxiety. So there's really that Goldilocks, there's a hermetic zone that everyone's a little bit different. So where would you start with in supplementing glycine? So you don't start off on the nightmare zone. Oh my gosh. I personally would start off maybe with a hundred milligrams and then just, uh, you know, of course, ask your doctor and then just see like, you know, no doctor can really tell you exactly a practitioner, you know, but they can give you a zone, but you're N of one. So what it does in your body is going to be different what it does in everybody else's body because we're all, we have different stressors in, in biochemistry and genetics. So I would just start there and, and see, you know, and, and it might not, you might not feel any, any different, but you got 16 nails in your foot and maybe you're pulling off two by helping, you know, displace the glyphosate. Right. So there's, there's the, the threshold, right? So maybe our body can function at 100% if there's, I'm going to make up a number here, 0.2% glyphosate replacing glycine, but right. maybe at 0.5%, that's when the we start point. noticing things. Yeah. So it, that's such a great point. And people with Lyme disease, this is the other hard thing. You know, it's like we want to have, well, anybody who's got any sort of symptom, we want to do something that moves the needle that we notice, right? right. It's it's so hard to have uh, take the leap of faith that, okay, we're doing something and it's helping, but I have zero evidence. Right. I know. I know. <laughs> I mean, I, I know it is. It's hard. You know, I, I guess one of the things I've been using a lot is um, heart rate variability. I have my patients download HRV for training, and I can actually monitor them. So that's going to tell a lot about the state of your of your health. 
Um, and I'm also doing what you know, and I'm measuring deep sleep. So, so those let's, are some- yeah, let's pause there for a second because actually I've been, I used an iPhone app for years that just kind of used the camera on the back of it and gave some idea, but I was always looking for a device, a good measuring device. And basically what they had in the past was just chest straps. And let's heart rate variability is the idea that we're not machines and the mm-hmm. heart doesn't beat exactly like an atomic metronome. Right. It, it does a little dance. It's got a little dance to it. It's got a little right. rhythm. Right? right, and the rhythm is the sign of health. Also, and it'll be fun to get these sensors later on. The brain's got the same thing. So, as the brain's waves and the heart's waves becomes more and more regimented, less flexible, there's less dance. It's a precursor to a heart attack or a seizure in the brain. Right. So, this heart athlete. I mean, we're talking high level athletes are using this to measure whether or not they've been training too hard and if so to begin to back off again if they're stressing too much so it's this wonderful global measure of stressors in the body mm-hmm. and uh you know i i ordered mine and just got an email from the company you know one of those indiegogo things and i'm so excited to get it and start using it again Ooh, so it, lo- it looks just like a pulse ox it fits it on the finger oh, neat. neat and it's only it was only like 130 bucks oh really yeah oh. Send me the information. Send us all the information. <laughs> I'll put it in the show notes and I'll email you, Dr. Kelly. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. I've been looking for an easy one for, I don't know, five five years at least. Yeah. It's a cool measurement. Anyway, so, and then the sleep is the same thing. So how do you measure sleep with your patients? So the, or I have no affiliation, but the aura ring, it's, it's, um, oh, right. yeah. And then you have your, your deep sleep measurement and we tweak things. We tweak things one thing at a time. So we know what variables we're looking at. Um, and I include everything from your blood sugars got to be right on to get good sleep. I, I mean, there's so many things. That's a, that's a webinar in of itself. Um, but let's say we're going to add in some, some glycine and we're going to also add in some molybdenum to try and get, um, you know, your sulfites to sulfates, you know, a little bit. We'll talk about that, but, but glyphosate can chelate plus two minerals. So, um, molybdenum is one manganese. Um, and copper. So you need those. So, you know, you do something and then you, you, you see, um, how their deep sleep. I, I, I really am a, I'm a fan of that. And like you said, the heart rate variability, because that you may not, you may not feel maybe exactly like, uh, you know, doing an intervention help you, but it's really rewarding to see things that are important get better. Like, uh, you know, from the objective measures and then, you know, the, then you start to Maybe you keep doing those things and then you feel better physically. You know, that's such a great thing. And sleep is such a disrupted function in people with Lyme disease. It is almost like, what's the first thing to go? Well, sleep. Sleep. You know, just in so so many different ways. Right. And, and, you know, I I forget about the, I had a patient yesterday um, on the table. I put a needle in her and she essentially passed out. You know, and I'm, look, I'm looking at her and she's, you know, half snoring and she, I'm sure she's in kind of that half in and half out meditative state. So she's not 100% asleep. Right. Exactly. She's got those waves going on there. And, you know, the first thing that comes to mind is, you know, I wonder if she's got apnea. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, because what happens if you have apnea is like the brain comes down just a little bit. So typically you watch TV, mm-hmm. you read a book. Mm-hmm. sometimes even you drive close to home where you're familiar with the surroundings mm-hmm. and you start to fall asleep. 
So that's, I ask patients all the time, it's like, do you fall asleep reading books? Do you fall asleep watching television? And I'm not talking about, you know, if you're watching Netflix at, you know, 1.30 a.m. and you finally pass out. I'm talking about it's nine o'clock, you're watching your sitcom, you're, you're in your chair, off. and you nod off. That's such a sign that you're sleep deprived. Right. And yeah. usually people without Lyme disease, it's a matter of, of apnea. And people with Lyme disease, just their sleep may just be not getting any. Sure. Mm-hmm. Have that day-night inversion stuff and all that all craziness. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we've got these two great measurements. Right. So maybe maybe we can, maybe that is a good way to take a look at, at what's going on at the functional level and have a, a hard number now. You know, the tech, the new tech is so great with stuff like that. The really, yeah. the biohacking stuff. Right. Absolutely. All right. I interrupted you. No, that's fine. <laughs> so, um, you know, just just um, on that biohacking note, you know, in order to break down glyphosate, let's say it's already in, you know, and so let, I guess we should back up and talk about testing. So um, Great Plains Labs has a test where you can see um, your glyphosate levels. Um, the Nutrigenic Research Institute did some studies and they use that test for their before and after. They did some challenge um, studies with that. And I might talk about that later, but um, there's also this really well, neat, yeah. Talk about it now. Okay. So just really briefly. So, and is this a urine or a blood test? This is a urine test. Yeah. Yeah. So um, the Nutrigenic Research Institute, and this was led by Emily, the brilliant Emily Gibbler. She, she is. She is. Um, she took around 25 patients and did a pre-assessment on glyphosate levels and then used the professional health products. Pon one assist. So it has astaxanthin, uh, pomegranate, and quercetin. So it's like a provoked urine test. And then looked at, again, another urine test for glyphosate. Um, and they found some really interesting things. Now we're working on getting that published. So, you know, right now it, it's preliminary, but what was interesting is they did a, an assessment on these patients. And the, the ones that reportedly perspired the most and typically that was from exercise or sauna use those were the patients with the least amount of glyphosate in their urine so we may be able to mm. postulate from that hypothesize that we we should be sweating we can maybe we can sweat glyphosate out and uh, you know glyphosate is really hard to get rid of once it's in the body you know there's not a whole lot that we can do. We're looking at, you know, using things like astaxanthin, pomegranate, and quercetin. We're not quite sure, you know, the study, we're just really in the infancy right now. But I will say that, um, that acetobacter, so one of our, our friends in the, in the microbiome, acetobacter can actually break down glyphosate, which is uh, exciting. Wow. Okay. So again, it's like, well, what do we do? Well, apple cider vinegar has acetobacter in it. And, you know, sometimes People with mast cell issues don't tolerate that very well, but apple cider vinegar is one of the best ones that um, people may tolerate. And that was according to another Nutrigenic Research Institute uh, researcher, Beth O'Hara, another uh, brilliant mind. So, you know, I started using apple cider vinegar on my salads and things. And interestingly enough, there was a study done on on cows that were sick and the cows were being fed um, glyphosate. And what they did with the cows is they gave them sauerkraut juice. Bentonite clay, and do you remember the third thing the study gave them? There's one more thing the study gave them, and they got better. 
So there was, you know, something about the Acetobacter probably like getting rid of the actual glyphosate. So Right. So step one, stop putting it in your mouth as much as possible. (laughs) Step two, use, if you can handle it, some raw apple cider vinegar, I'm assuming you're talking about. Right. Because if it doesn't have the and but here's the thing with the acetobacter, wouldn't wouldn't you have to eat it at the same time? Because how much of that is going to make it through your stomach into your small intestines? Yeah, that's a good point, right? So are we so, looking at systemic or are we just looking at in the gut? And I yeah. don't know. I know that I, I'm a big fan of Restore from Zach Bush. Yes. Yeah, that stuff. Uh, so let's pause, let's pause here. I interviewed him, you know, not too long after he came out with his product. And I've been wanting to get him back on. He's another just wonderful story too. So here's here's this doctor researcher, and basically he burns himself out and moves out to the country in uh, around Richmond, Virginia, and it opens up uh, alternative uh, medical practice. Right. Basically, and he's a physician, so he's got this wonderful practice down there. And then he comes up with this product, and his thesis is that, well, not only do you need the bacteria, but they need to be able to talk to each other. That's right. So your gut's a community. Yeah. And it's just like the, you know, there's feedback loops within the body, and we use hormones and different chemicals to communicate. The bacteria do the same thing. Right. And if the communicate, according to him, if the communication isn't right, then your biome is going to get out of balance and, and maybe even start to die off. So the first thing, now this is really interesting to me now because we've known about the benefits of probiotics for years and years and years, but it's always been out in the, in my part of the world, right? The, the hippie part of the world where people who wear Birkenstock sandals and tie-dye t-shirts and, you know, dreadlocks have been using this stuff forever and ever. And it's made its way slowly into, into mainstream. So everybody's now you go into the store and there are 20 different probiotics. It's amazing. Right. And, and all the, all the big companies are, are making and selling them now. And we're learning about, you know, them being able to make it through the, the stomach acid. And so we're getting very sophisticated. Mm-hmm. And so, Doctors and scientists are paying attention and starting to study this stuff. And what they're finding is that sometimes if you take a probiotic and your gut isn't healthy, now all of a sudden you've got these bacteria circulating within your system. That that might not be a good thing. Right. 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 So is it's almost like, is your gut healthy enough to take probiotics? That's an interesting question. Yeah. You know, so something like, Dr. Bush's product where it's it's nutrition for the gut first or mm-hmm. it's a prebiotic or something like that or something to heal up the, the right. mucus crazy. lining in the yeah. gut or but, and the and the villi, the the junctions, get them to tighten up before you then start adding in a bunch of a bunch of bacteria. Because really, really, if you look for with how we used to function, the only thing coming through at any sort of number would have been uh spore-based probiotics, so spore-based bacteria that we ate from quote-unquote dirty food. So you pull a carrot out of the ground, you eat it, some spores get yep, through. You get your spores, yep. Yeah. And so, you know, taking a capsule that has, again, we're talking about doses, the toxin, right? A thousand times. It's like, we better be putting the right stuff in there because you're really pushing pushing the system hard in one right. direction. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, and that restore, it's that 
that is what it's able to do. And it's about the terrain. Like you said, you just can't dump, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to plant a garden, you just don't dump perfectly great seeds in, in a mess, <laughs> you know? So <laughs> that's, that's where that comes in. And I, um, I remember with the well, I do that every spring and it never <laughs> works out, but you know, hope springs eternal every spring. It's like, I'm going to have the perfect garden. I okay. This is totally aside. My youngest daughter's boyfriend, and actually, I don't know if they're still on or off again, but that's a whole other story. Had had this idea. He's 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 really really bright, but he's really really young, and so he was he was had this thought experience, you know, because of the random nature of the universe and things self organized. He said, so it. You know, if you do something off enough times, it's going to randomly organize into what you want. Like, so, but I, and I used to tease him, okay, so you tell me if you throw your clothes in the dryer often enough, they're going to fold themselves. <laughs> right? You wish. Yeah, exactly. It's like that level of organization doesn't happen with additional inputs of energy. He said, but, but it's possible. He said, it's theoretical. It's like, no, it just doesn't work that way. Yeah. So, I mean, the body's that way too. It's like, we want to, you know, we, we have this hope that the whole thing will just, you know, we take the right supplement and the whole thing will just fold itself in, in the yep. dryer. Yeah. yeah right. And it's, you know, it every once in a while, there's a one-to-one -one correlation where there's a simple problem. Again, talking to a friend, he was picking some of the beans in our garden. So my wife invited him to come over. And so he's picking the beans. We're talking. And we had, you know, he almost came for acupuncture, didn't quite, um, had a bad back, injured himself. And he went for uh, a steroid injection, an injection. And it was the, it unlocked his back pain. It's like, it stopped the inflammation. He was healthy enough that everything reset and he's fine. Hey, yeah, there right? you go. The and my, exactly. My practice is filled with people who that doesn't work for right. because there's so much else, you know, every once in a while, it's like the people, the people who have great success with an intervention ruin it for the rest of us. <laughs> right. Because usually things are so complex and so intertwined. And like you said, it's the whole, it's Dr. Hortz's with the, the MSIDs or whatever he calls it, where there are 18, 19 nails in the foot and you yeah. got to pull them out one by one. And the first few nails, like you said earlier, may or may not move the needle. You may or may not feel better, but you still have to remove them. Right. So this, you know, just uh, the message in is here. Don't lose hope. Right. You know, don't, don't, you got to have a, you got to have a fighting spirit. You got to stay optimistic. You got to, you have, you can't let your brain get out of control. Like right. You can't let your brain run away. Your brain is not your friend. The thoughts it's thinking aren't necessarily your own. They may have come from somebody else a long time ago or something you heard in your sleep. Who knows? Yeah. But, but your thoughts, you know, it's back to like the, the angel on one side and the devil on the other. And you, you have to choose who you're listening to because your brain's going to generate both. Right. And anyway, whatever that's my you, pep talk for the day. Well, right. And whatever you continue to think about, you're creating neuroplasticity, you're creating, you're strengthening that pathway. So every time you think about it, you're going to think about it again. It, so it, and that was huge in my recovery from Lyme is that I just cast off anything that I didn't feel was truth. And, and it, and it was, and I knew the biochemistry I'm trained in function neurology. I knew what I was doing. I wasn't doing just, you know, for a spiritual reason, although it helped, it was, it was both um, the biochemistry side and that. So yes, tune in. It's like I tell my kids, it's like a radio station. It's like you have to tune in to what you want your life to be like, the thoughts. And then that's, you know, your thoughts create your life. So, um, I, you know, I, I you can't go without that piece. So, there you we know, go. So, 
So here's true confession times. My brain is wired to search for embarrassment in my history. Mm-hmm. It's like when my brain's bored, it will bring up a memory of which I was totally embarrassed about something. I mean, that's just what it does for fun. It uh-huh. is so annoying. And when I'm not in a good space, it, it hurts, mm-hmm. right? You know, I kind of refeel that embarrassment over mm-hmm. again. And I'm just really, uh, here I am, 54, starting to figure out just how pervasive this mechanism is. I have no idea where this came from. I had a good childhood. You know, I wasn't yeah. beaten or abandoned or anything like that. And yet, there it is. It's like when it's bored, it's like, okay, remember the time where you, you know, the teacher yelled at you in front of the class, or you tried to recite Spanish in front of the class and you couldn't do it and you cried. It's like, that's the things my brain remembers. Thank you very much for sharing. (laughs) You know, it doesn't remember the good stuff. It's like, why? (laughs) You know, just recently we found out that neurologically, um, we can prove in a lab that, that negative thoughts are like Velcro and positive are like Teflon. So the brain can hang on to a negative experience or thought immediately, immediately. But if you have something that produces joy, you actually have to fixate your mental focus on that event for 10 seconds in order it, for it to be the equivalent of what the negative response did to your brain. That's so annoying. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Why not? Well, it's, and the simple explanation that we've all heard, it, it's about survival. It's like a negative effect can end it, where a joyful effect is, oh, that's nice. Right, right. Yeah, that doesn't get us uh, a, a long lifespan. Exactly. Right. All, all designed when we needed to run away or not eat the poison barrier, run away from mm-hmm. the, the dangerous animal when mm-hmm. we were many, 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 many years ago. Right. So, anyway, we have... Useful digressions, by the way. I think right. Those are very, very useful. But meanwhile, back in glyphosate and uh-huh. detox 2.5 and glycine, mm-hmm. what's what's next? Have we have we covered the bases here? Well, Do we need go, to talk about talk something about else? About, about the, the detox project. I think it's really um, <sighs> worth noting. It's um, It enables the public to find out their long-term exposure to things like glyphosate. So I, I think... The website is just detoxproject.org, and you can you can test um, you can test your levels, you can test food levels. So I don't I don't have any affiliation with them, and I'm learning about them. But it um, it it sounds like it's really reasonably priced because you know we don't we don't want to go chasing you know things that may not be pertinent to us. Um, and on the you know the flip side of that is that sometimes those tests can be misleading. <laughs> so um, how because. Um, okay, let's just say that you're going to do um, a urine test for heavy metals. Well, heavy metals aren't normally found in your urine. Your body sequesters them primarily in adipose tissue on purpose to protect you. So that may be misleading. You may be full of mercury and antimony and you know arsenic and all these things, but your body's not just going to spew them out in the urine because that you know makes you susceptible to them. So you can do things like a challenge, which that's kind of like poking the hornet's nest, but sometimes you need to get that data where you, you try and liberate those toxins to get an idea of what is in your actual body. So so just like with these tests is that, okay, let's say that I do this test and I have a, a lower level of glyphosate, but that doesn't mean that it's, it's not harboring in my body and other spaces that can cause physiological harm. Does that make sense? 
Absolutely. I okay. mean, that's essentially what Dr. Klinghardt did with Lyme disease, all these people yeah. coming back with negative tests. And yeah. he figured he started out with what the deep okay. tissue massage, mm-hmm. and then it's now got the ultrasound where okay. he uh, irradiates with sound yep. uh, the different organs. And then you check the urine and oh my goodness, we've got yep. all these signs of Lyme disease now. Yep, exactly. Exactly. So, um, you know, there's... But that's... And let's stop there for a second. Yeah. That's one of the body's main protective mechanism. And I remember not too long ago, there was a whole theory on uh, weight gain that was all about toxicity mm-hmm. and that it's the body desperately trying to sequester these poisons in fat. So yeah. the body's making extra fat, not because you're a bad person, but yeah. because you're toxic and your body's protecting you. So it's actually doing you a favor. Yeah. Now, the other funny thing, and this is like with smokers too, is like the body's taking all these chemicals, sequestering them in fat, taking them out of the system. Once you stop putting in the negative, so let's say you, you all of a sudden go organic. What can happen is as the body starts clearing these out, you can feel worse because now this yeah. stuff is circulating again. Right. So then, so, so then use binders. So use things, the, the 11th commandment is thou shall bind. So if you're going to release <laughs> these things, <laughs> you're going to release these. I'm glad you like that one. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you, you really need to make sure it's your insurance policy that they're not going back in through enterohepatic recirculation. So it means your body's worked really hard. It's starting to clear these out. They're in your intestine and then they go right back into your blood. It's like binders are, were phenomenally helpful for me to help. I, I believe get over chronic Lyme disease. So yes, you exactly hit the nail. So a binder is clay, charcoal, clay, charcoal. You can use chlorella. You can use zeolite. So I created one for professional health products to, to cover the gamut of all the toxins from mold to Lyme to, I mean, just BPAs to really bind comprehensively because again, you have to get the toxins excreted out. That's the goal. Look for that. It's actually available. So is it available now? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna send you some. So oh, thanks. I will I will bind. <laughs> you thou shalt bind. Very good. And I've I've been I've been actually I've been I put on some weight. I'm very sensitive to carbohydrates. My body just loves to store fat. It's very good at it. So if we ever get to a point where there's no food, I'll be good for <laughs> quite a while. Anyway, the. I've, I've been trying to lose weight and I'm really stuck. I, I went through a stressful period this past year and put on 15 pounds, something like that. And I just can't get, like I start for the first five pounds and then I hit, I'm embarrassed to say the number, but I hit 190 and like 190, 189, all of a sudden my body goes whack-a-doodle and just, I, it's almost like I have to eat. It's been so difficult to break through this area. So I'm excited to bind and maybe get some of those toxins out of there. Yeah, definitely. Get to the, the bile flow. I mean, that is just so important to, to having, you know, the, the toxins getting out. So it's not, you know, the binding's good too, but don't forget to get the, um, the, the 2.5. 2.5 open and the bile flowing and, and practitioners as yourself can really understand that and um, help people get that going. Brilliant. Enough about me. <laughs> so, Dr. Kelly, you've been very generous with your time. I really appreciate our growing friendship. It's a lot of fun. Uh, it is. It's a lot of fun. Thank you so much for having me. And I want to give you, actually, I've, I'm stealing this from Dave Asprey's podcast. And uh, he always ends his 
podcast asking question. And the question is, if there were three things you could do to lead a more empowered life, essentially what he says, he uses a different phrase, but more empowered life, what would be? So I'm going to, I'm going to ask you if there are three things that you would tell a Lyme patient to help them heal, what would they be? Okay. So number one is what we talked about is that aligning your thought patterns because it's going to create uh, more of what you think about. So I just purposely would, would just have mantras. My body's designed to heal. I'm perfectly made just because I knew that the body was going to respond to the thoughts, whether real or imagined. I mean, I was a pile on the floor and I couldn't do much, but, but breathe. And I just kept saying those things over and over. So, you know, make sure that you're trying with that. And we talked about the dynamic neural uh, response system and that, uh, you know, just a quick plug that really helped me really align with that. And I would say, again, you are N of one. So what, what worked for your neighbor or that person on Facebook or, you know, some, even a doctor, if they have a protocol, you need to be the one to decide if it's working for you. And so what we talked about measuring some things like heart rate variability and deep sleep, that can be a really good tool for you to use to see if things are helping and, and, and don't give up hope. And the last thing is that we're all in this together. We are community, just like our microbiome is in community. So don't lose your don't lose your community. Reach out. Keep keep trying to be having a support system around you. Those are three really empowering things that I would tell a person with Lyme. Thank you so much. Thank you. This was a wonderful interview. And, you know, I'm going to r- go back, round back to glyphosate for a second. That's almost a pun. That's really close to a pun. Um, somebody in California re- recently won a lawsuit against Monsanto. Yes. For the is the this the cancer. first one? Yeah. First one in the U.S. First one in the U.S. I think there have yeah. been some lawsuits in Europe. It'll be interesting to see how that opens up a case for how dangerous it is getting entered into public opinion if that even happens or it's you know that's such a great question we live in a rural community Mm -hmm. and we have neighbors who are organic farmers and neighbors who are conventional farmers the advantage of glyphosate and the reason they use it costs them money and it costs them extra money to buy roundup ready seeds so using Roundup is an expensive proposition for farmers, and they pinch their pennies. They're not going to use something unless it gives them a return. The problem with glyphosate is it works. Yeah. From the point of view of the farmer, it gives them a better yield. Yeah. They get more bushels per acre when they use it, and so it it's an investment. Yeah. They know if they do that, their crops will be in will be more bountiful. The problem is is like smoking cigarettes. Eventually, it causes problems, but it doesn't cause problems for the farmer, per se, unless they're careless handling it. And, you know, they probably will have cancers and things down the line there. But that's not enough to stop them. Again, that's a a delayed danger. So there's an immediate benefit and there's a delayed danger. And when they're living that close to the poverty line, as many many American farmers do. The small farmers have it so rough, especially the small dairy farmers around here. It is a tough living. They do just skate by. And oftentimes the wife will have a second job or even the husband will have a second job just to make ends meet. It's a tough business. Anyway, so that said, who knows? 
Yeah. Right? And one lawsuit probably isn't going to change things. And it is a little bit of a, the war between the sandal-wearing people versus you know, the Nike-wearing people. It's it's one of those things because we're in the Lyme community. It's very We're very sensitive to it, both individually sensitive to things like glyphosate and sensitive meaning that our community is aware of these types of toxins out in the, in the world around us. But in, in terms of being able to swing the entire opinion and maybe the government to shut it down, who knows what that'll take. And in the meantime, the best you can do is eat as much organic as you can. And it used to be that the glyphosate would be concentrated in meats and eggs and things like that. However, because of the change of the farming practices, it's being sprayed at the end of harvest on grains. I can't emphasize that enough. So all of a sudden now, breads, pastas, things where there are lots of grains, any type of boxed pancake mix, waffle mix, is going to be chock full of glyphosate. Same goes for whenever you go out and eat a sandwich, a hamburger, a bowl of pasta, you are upping your exposure by far. Best bet now is just either to avoid those types of things. You really don't need all that carbs anyway. You can get your carbs from fruits and from vegetables. But if you do, take care of yourself, detox, or switch over to organic if you can. It's a problem, no doubt about it. If you like what we're doing here at Lime Ninja Radio, hit the subscribe button so you won't miss an episode. Unless, of course, we miss an episode. Sorry about that. If you really like what we're doing, leave us a review on your podcast app. And if you really, really like what we're doing, I'd appreciate it if you support us by donating at least $1 a month. For just $1, you can help us make the world a better place for people with tick-borne diseases. Just head on over to our homepage, www.limeninjaradio.com, and look for the patron link under the How Can We Help You headline. And a big shout-out to our latest patrons, Drew, Jenna, and Catherine. Thanks for making the better, making the better world. Thanks for making the world a better place. For people with Lyme and other tick-borne illnesses. Also, if you have any feedback, suggestions for guests, anything, really, send an email to feedback at LimeNinjaRadio.com. We may not respond, however, be assured. What's that? Be aware. Be aware. Be prepared. Be prepared. (laughs) (laughs) We will read it, even if we don't respond. So, I don't know. I can't think this morning. Anyway. Love us, hate us, don't ignore us. Love us, hate us, don't ignore us. We love feedback. We read everything. Sometimes we're crazy busy and can't respond. So if we don't respond, don't feel bad, but we have read it. You can be assured of that. And last, we better end this soon, right? And last, finally, (laughs) stop rambling and the podcast. If there was a hook this old time and there was a hook and I was on stage on vaudeville, I'd be being pulled off the stage. <laughs> Should I just start playing the Looney Tunes? <laughs> no, no, not the Looney Tunes. <laughs> our, our ending jingle. It's... Our Lime Ninja jingle. And last, as you longtime Lime Ninjas know, this podcast would not be complete, I promise it's ending, without the Lime Ninja fact of the day. Did you know... A ninja won the Boston Marathon in New York.
Lyme Danger Radio is a purely public broadcast and is not intended to be personalized medical advice for any individual's specific situation. Each individual's medical situation is unique and Lyme Danger Radio should not be relied upon and or considered as personalized medical advice. Lyme Danger Radio is not licensed to render medical advice and should be considered simply the public opinion of Lyme Danger Radio and its guests. Recommendations on specific treatment options are not intended to address any listener's particular medical situation. As always, contact your physician before considering any new treatment.